0: Created after the likeness of God in true holiness and righteousness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your inerrant, inspired word. Thank you that through your word you open up dark eyes, you soften hard hearts. Thank You that through the ministry of Your Holy Spirit, as the Word is proclaimed, that You enliven us to You and You renew us in You. God, I pray this morning that that would be the effect, that You would renew our strength this morning. That You would give us renewed vigor and passion for You. Father, I pray that You would help all who hear this morning and You would help me as I preach. God, thank You that You promise to you promise to make your word fruitful so lord we pray this in confidence in jesus name amen well shortly after i began fourth grade i climbed up a tree in my backyard i probably shared this story before it was about 25 or 30 feet tall or so and my parents had planted it to be a shade tree many years before but it was still too small for climbing it was probably about that big around and but I was bold. I loved to climb trees back then. And I climbed all the way to the top of the tree, and I was hanging onto the spire at the very top of the tree. And I had a moment of brief kind of feeling of conquering something until the spire cracked. And the entire branch went straight down and swung down. And when it did, I, I went straight down with it. Right under my head, I, I suffered a severe concussion. I fractured my skull from the front to the back. Within a moment, I went from feeling like I was conquering to being near death. I, I was given a 50-50 chance to live by the neurosurgeon, my family friend who attended. He was kind, but he was also blunt. And while I was, my eyes were closed, he was around the corner and I could hear him talking and say, Well, he has a 50-50 chance to live. Well that's not encouraging. The prognosis wasn't good if I did live. The doctor said, Well, if he does, most likely he won't be able to do very well in school after that. He'll experience significant delays. And then to some degree that prediction came true because for the rest of fourth grade I I barely scraped by. I, I I don't know how I didn't fail every class. I think it was just the mercy and kindness of my teachers who felt sorry for me that I went from being a promising, bright student to being dull, unable to learn, forgetful. I remember feeling like I needed a new mind. And even as a a fourth grader, I I remember feeling like, this is not right, I can't think straight. What happened? I don't don't have any smarts anymore. I'm not able to do things. I, I need a new brain. I need a brain transplant. I need a mind transplant. And remember, as a young boy, I read a passage from Philippians, and it, and it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And as a fourth grade student, I misunderstood that passage, and I thought that meant like a physical mind. And so I prayed, naively, but in faith. I prayed that, that, that Jesus would heal me, that he would, he would give me a, his mind. And out of my ignorance, I, I had faith in God to heal over the course of the next summer, I didn't realize it, but God un- had undeserved mercy on me. He honored my faith in Him, even though it was misunderstood application of Scripture. He honored my faith in Him, and, and He healed me and uh, renewed my mind. Despite that negative prognosis and my abysmal performance, it was like I was a new person again in fifth grade. Something dramatically had happened to my brain, to my mind. God, God renewed my mind. He enabled me to do well in school again, and... Even though my mind was physically renewed, though, I still had to learn like all fifth graders still have to learn, like all people still have to learn, like I continue to have to learn today, like all of us continue to need to learn, don't we? My mind was renewed, but I still had to learn. I still had to learn about life. I still had to learn about God. I still needed to understand and apply myself and study just like everybody has to. And. Even today I find that I'm still in the place where I'm constantly needing to learn. My mind is different it's been changed but I still need to learn. And I'm still being schooled in this in the school of Christ on a regular basis. Last week Aaron Campbell shared an excellent message from the first portion of these verses 17 to 24. And in 17 and 19, he drew our attention really to just how bad our plight was before we were born again. And it's important for us to know just where we've come from, how bad our plight was, how bad off we were. You see, before we were made new creations in Jesus, before we believed and placed our faith in him and our trust in him, it says in those verses 17 and 19, you can look in your Bibles if you will, that our minds were darkened. Our minds were darkened in our understanding. Our desires were deceitful. We thought we knew what was best for us, but we were deceived. That's the case for all of us at one point in time. And maybe you've not yet responded to Jesus. And that's the place that you're in this morning as well, that your mind's darkened and your desires have deceived you. We thought we knew what would bring us good, but we were wrong. We were corrupted by our deceitful desires. Not only that, we had hardened hearts, it says in those verses. But we didn't even know it. We were willfully ignorant and alienated from the life of God. And look in verse 19. Look in in your Bibles. I think we have it on the screen for you as well. Ephesians 4.19. It says, They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. We all were far worse than my physical condition after I fell out of that tree. Our, Our condition was far worse. Our condition was terrible. We were broken Beyond hope. The prognosis was so bad that we were, it says we were alienated from God. We were dead and apart from Him. Our minds couldn't see the light of the truth of God. We were lost. We were doomed to fail in school, in the school of knowing who God is. We were doomed to fail in the school of this world. We are all students of Adam. We're failing to please God in every way. But here's the good news. God had undeserved mercy on us. If you place your faith in Him, He said undeserved mercy on you and He's he's given you a new mind. He's enabled you to see the truth and enlightened your dark mind. He recreated us in Him. And if you've been born again, just like I, I prayed that childlike prayer that God would heal me and give me a new mind, not quite understanding the full implications of that. At one point... When you prayed initially, you may not have understood the full implications of what does it mean to be born again. But God had mercy on you, and He's made you alive, and He's saved you. Today we're going to be focusing on how do you, how do you learn in light of the fact that He's given you a new mind, and now He's put you in His school. How do you how do you learn? In his school. So we're going to be focusing really on how do you learn to put off the old self? And how do you learn to put on the new self that we heard about last week? We're called to put off the old self and put on the new. But that's something we couldn't do on our own. Something God had to do. God had to put off the old man and give us a new man. But at the same time, this is a call to us to take action. To actually be putting off and be putting on. So how do you do that? The main idea I believe God would have for us see this morning... Is just that Jesus makes us new. Jesus makes us new and he puts us in his school. He makes us new and he puts us in his school so that we can grow in holiness. There's a goal for us being in the school of Jesus is to grow in holiness, to grow to be like him and in holiness and righteousness. And there's three points we're going to make from this passage. And that's in the school of Jesus, we're taught to put off the old self. We've been renewed, we've been put into his school, we've been moved to a different grade and, and we're, we're taught to put off the old self. And in the school of Jesus, we're taught to put on the new self. But also, and most importantly, in the school of Jesus, our assignments are carried out by being renewed. So Jesus makes us new and he puts us in his school so that we can grow in holiness. Well, where am I getting this idea of being in school from and from this passage? Look in verses 17 and 19 of chapter 4. Paul's contrasting what we once were before. And he tells us here is to no longer walk as Gentiles do. And look in verse 20. It says, but that is not the way you learned Christ. He says, but that is not the way you learned Christ. It's an unusual way of wording things, isn't it? You're like, wait a minute. Did Paul forget some basic grammar here? He didn't say that's not the way you learned of Christ. It's not the way you learned about Christ. He says, but that's not the way you learned Christ. That's an unusual way of putting things. You know, when I, when I say, you know, I I learned about Julie, I don't say I learned Julie. Um, That would be an odd way of phrasing things. Well, Paul is deliberately using this kind of language. In fact, it's it's language that's unprecedented anywhere else in the entire Greek New Testament. It's unprecedented in in any language prior to that. And, And what Paul is trying to get us to see is that we're not just learning about christ we're learning him we're learning to become like him we're learning who he is we're learning him you see the content of all gospel truth is jesus christ and so when we learn the good news of the gospel and learn the implications of how to live that out what are we learning we're learning jesus because jesus is the way the truth and the life and so paul says they learned christ they learned a person Jesus is the content of the teaching just like he's the subject of all the apostles teaching. And so Jesus is the one that the hearers learned. Verse 21 if you look down on there as well it says they were taught in him. And these these, these words that he uses are really learned Christ and taught those those two words in the original language are, are they bring up the connotation of school of the fact that we've been put into a school we've we've learned Christ we've been taught in Him, we're, we're, we've been moved from the school of this world in Adam and becoming like our earthly father. And we're now in the school of Jesus learning Him. And so in order to escape the darkness of our minds and our futile way of life, we have to hear Jesus. We have to respond to Him. And be made new and enter His school and be taught by Him. And then look in verse 22. It says, we've been taught in the school of Jesus. It says, Ephesians four twenty-two to put off... Here's what we've been taught... To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. So the first point I want to focus on from that passage is that it's really simple. That What have we been taught? In the school of Jesus, we're taught to put off the old self. We're taught to put off the old self. In the school of Jesus, if we've been transferred, if we've learned Christ, if we're in His school, we've been taught to what? To put off the old self. Paul is telling us here is that if you've heard the truth about Jesus, the good news of the gospel, then you've been taught to put off your old self, your old way of living, and that you've learned the truth that you were lost, that you were alienated from God. If you are a believer in Christ, if you are a Christian, if you place your faith and trust in Him, here's what you've been taught. You've been taught that you can't do it on your own. You've been taught that you cannot please God through any amount of effort or works. You've been taught that all of your righteousness, all of your own works are like filthy rags. You've been taught that your hope's in Him and Him alone. You've been taught to put off the old self. You learned that you need to confess your sins. You learned that you need to repent and turn from your sins. You were taught to come to Jesus, to respond to His call. And as Aaron reminded us, though, we, we couldn't change the clothes of our old self. We, we couldn't do that on our own. God had to do that for us. And I'm, as he was talking and I was thinking about the message this week, I was just reminded of um, C.S. Lewis's book, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And there's the story in that book of an obnoxious boy named Eustace. Anybody remember Eustace? He's obnoxious. You kind of hate him when you first read the story. You kind of are like, boy, he's so annoying. What a brat. You just want to... Discipline him. <clears throat> and um, he was mean. He was help, he was selfish. He was hateful. And in this story, because of his greedy heart, he falls asleep dreaming of riches and wealth, and he falls asleep on this pile of the dragon's treasure. And when he awakens, his greedy heart has transformed him into a dragon. And so he's, he's become... Really, the, the the logical conclusion of what, what greed ends in, he he awakes, he realizes his condition, he's, he's helpless to change himself back into a boy. He tries and he can't do it. He tries to peel off his layers and he becomes despondent. And then after that, he realizes, I can't change myself. And so he begins to do good as a dragon. And so he tries to help his friends out in their quest and tries to do various things to be kind and and... Although he changes his behavior, he's unable to change who he is. He changes his behavior. He becomes a nice dragon. But he's a dragon. He can't make himself into a boy. He can't do the work on his own. And so he becomes despondent. And then the lion Aslan comes along, who's a a picture of Jesus. And he comes along and he begins to peel off his dragon's skin with his claws. And the claws gouge Eustace and they tear into his flesh. It hurts, but Eustace knows he needs to be saved, so he submits to Aslan's tearing away of his dragon self. And then Aslan washes him in water to clean his wounds. He transforms him into a boy, something he could not do on his own, no matter how good he became as a dragon. He still, though, after that, the rest of the story, and actually he appears in a couple more of the stories that C.S. Lewis tells in the Chronicles of Narnia. And Eustace grows throughout each of those stories. You see, even though he had been made new, he still had to learn how to walk out who he had been made. He still had to learn what did it looked like to live in a manner that was pleasing to, in this case, Aslan. And we, we're like Eustace. We can't change ourselves. We, we need God to come in and rip away the old self and to make us new. But even though we've been made new, and this is what I want to focus on this morning, even though we have been made new, we still need to learn to walk in a manner that's pleasing to the Lord. We still need to walk in a manner that responds and and, and learns, how do I live out who I already have been called to be? In the school of Jesus, we have to learn continually to put off the old self. Yes, we've been made a new creation, but we haven't finished school yet. We haven't grown up fully. Some of our old habits remain. Anybody here have old habits that remain? It's because we we need to learn Christ. We need to learn in the school of Christ how to put off our old man and put on the new. Some old habits remain. Some old temptations remain. Some old ways of thinking remain. We need to be schooled to recognize those thoughts and words and deeds of the old self so we can grow up into Christ and... The verses that we've been focusing on the last week and this week, they're unpacking. What does it mean to walk in a manner worthy of our calling? Eustace, after he was changed by Aslan from a dragon into a boy, he never forgot what Aslan did for him. And in the back of his mind, I have to think that was motivating Eustace in changing and being more like who he was called to be was what Aslan had done for him and to him and how he transformed him. And all of his days were spent living in a manner worthy of the new life he had received and could never earn. And we're called to do the same. We're we're not called to put off the old self and put on the new self because that's the way now that Jesus saved, we have to earn it. That's not it at all. Aaron shared a wonderful illustration of that last week, the fact that we could never earn we could never earn God's favor. But in light of that, we, we are called. We are called to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Look in Ephesians 4.1. This is really where the, this whole section began. And so these verses we're looking at this morning are really a continuation of Paul's thought, which began earlier. Whenever you read your Bible, you always going to be asking the question of, where do these verses fit in the context of, of this passage of Scripture? Where does it fit in the context of this book? Where does it fit in the context of the New Testament? And so we find our Passage in 22 to 24. And the context really began in Ephesians 4.1. And so let's look together. What does he say in Ephesians 4.1 when he's beginning this, this portion? He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. You've been called. You've been made new. You've heard the voice of Jesus. He's, he's transferred you into his school now. And he says, because you couldn't earn it, because I earned it, now I want you to walk in a manner that's worthy of this calling. You have a high and noble calling. Walk in a manner that's worthy of the high calling that I've given to you. In the verses that follow after verse 1, he goes on to explain the context of our walking in a manner worthy of the calling. He told us the Gentiles, they they were apart from Christ. They walked in the futility of their minds. The Gentiles' way of life is futile because for all of their efforts and achievements, they gained nothing. They gained absolutely nothing for all of their efforts and achievements. This is what is meant by futility. It's a good picture of it. was when Jesus is talking about by building your house in the sand. When you build your life on something that is not built on Jesus... No matter how much effort and time you spend building that and making it look wonderful, maybe it's a great building and it's beautiful and you can have all your friends over, but it's going to crumble in the end. Everything you build is futile if it's not built on Jesus. So he's saying that the Gentiles' way of life was futile, and that that's, that language of futility is the same language that he uses in other passages to talk about that 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 way of living for idols, or living for other things, living for things that are not Christ. The worldly way of thinking and acting is futile because no matter how much you gain, if you lose your soul, it amounts to nothing. And this this picture of futility we, we have a good picture in the old testament when elijah he he reveals the futility of worshiping false gods and he confronts the prophets of baal and he confronts ahab and he tells ahab bring all your prophets up to the mountain bring actually bring the whole nation of israel up to the mountain and then he says in first kings 18 if the lord is god worship him but if baal is god worship him but the people didn't say a word then Elijah said, I am the only prophet of the Lord still left, but there are 450 prophets of Baal. Bring two bulls. Let, them, let all these prophets, is what he's saying, let all 450 of them call on Baal. Let these prophets of Baal take one, kill it, cut it in pieces, put it on wood, but don't light the fire. And Elijah says, I'll do the same with the other bull. He says, but let the prophets of Baal pray to their God and I'll pray to the Lord. And the one who answers by sending fire, he is God. And that seemed good to the people, and they all agreed. So the prophets of Baal they begin to pray to their idol, and they dance, and they even ritually cut themselves, and they it's kind of an offering, a sacrifice, and they they carry on wildly, but nothing happens. You know the story. So Elijah says, "Okay, bring me four large jars, and those will be." Very large jars of water and pour them all over the wood and pour them all over the sacrifice. In fact, um, make a trench around it. And so when you pour all these jars, all the water will run down. So they do that and it fills the trench full of water and it drenches fully all the sacrifice. Prophets of Baal, for all of their striving and efforts, for all of their fervent prayer, For all the fact that they were sincerely believing. Nothing happened. No fire came down. And then Elijah prays to the one true God. And God sends down fire. And it consumes not only the sacrifice and the wood. It burns up the stones. I don't know of any fire that can do that. And it burns up the water in the trench. And all the water around it. And so it says the, the ground was dry. So boom! God, the mighty and powerful, comes down. And what happens to the prophets of Baal? For all their efforts and all their trust in idolatry, it results in a worthless death for them. And it's the same kind of futility that Paul's talking about in Ephesians. This is a, a worthlessness, a futility of pursuing other gods. A futility of pursuing other gain other than Christ. A, pers- a fertility of pursuing anything else that will fulfill and satisfy apart from Jesus. You know, this, this kind of futility, it's tempting. It's tempting to live as if there, are other things will fulfill us other than Jesus, isn't it? Even though we know better, we have experienced the power of God, we can still be tempted to look to other things to satisfy. We can look for money to satisfy us. We can look for a job. We can look for pornography to satisfy us. Illicit sex or drugs or prestige or other people's opinion of you. Or maybe I want to be satisfied because I'll feel like people need me. Maybe I'm I'm looking to marriage. Maybe you're looking to marriage to satisfy you. If you have a perfect marriage, maybe that will satisfy you. Or if you're not married, thinking, well, being married, that will, that will satisfy me. Or if you're in a bad marriage, you're thinking, oh, Lord, let him die. It's terrible, but it's true. We have temptations like that. Maybe you're looking for a college degree or good grades. Or to be healthy to satisfy you. And all those things can, can become idols to us. Some of, the, some of those things are good things. Marriage is good. It's good for, for earning, to earn income. It's good to provide for our families. It's good to love and be loved by other people. But if we're looking for any of those things to satisfy, it's, it's futility. Because they're never going to satisfy. They're empty. They're powerless to save. So we're called to put off this futility of looking to anything else or anyone else other than God to satisfy the deep longing of your heart. But the devil, he tempts us subtly. He tempts us to think that these good things, that that those things are the goal. And so even as Christians, we can at times be led astray subtly to think, you know what, I'm doing all these good things. And we can be focused on doing all these good things. We can focus on even providing, caring for our family, leading our family well, or whatever it is, as if that's the goal. You forget, no, my goal is to be found in Christ. And so we're called to put away, to put off that kind of thinking. God's the goal and the good things He gives are just meant to point us to Him who alone can satisfy. We're not to be like, He says, the Gentiles in their hardness of heart. They refuse to obey God and yet continually say yes to sin and no to their own conscience. And so they get to the place where they can no longer feel conviction. I've been there at times in my own life. Earlier on in my life, I engaged in what I now know the Bible would clearly call sin. Sin but I justified my sin. And after a while, I no longer felt conviction for it. And I defended my sin. And I became dull generally to the things of God. And I lacked passion. And I struggled with love for God. Because it was, it was robbing me of passion for God. This old man I was giving into, I wasn't putting off. Thanks be to God through... Others, I was able to see that what I was doing was sinful. I become hardened and callous in those areas. But thankfully, God broke through my dull heart. He convicted me. He softened my heart. But there remains a real danger. That's why Paul is telling us, put off. Now, only God could put off ultimately, but we're called, as we're in the school of Christ, to put off the old stuff, to, to learn what it looks like. There's a danger for us to give in to sin. We can become callous and dull. And that's not how we learned Christ. Christ never gave in to sin. And why? So that we can now put off sin. And we don't have to give in to it. That's really good news. You know, our hearts have been made new, but we still need to put off the old ways. And what does that look like? It means saying yes when He brings us conviction. When when we hear that still small voice of the Holy Spirit speaking, we we listen for it. When others bring us input, we don't immediately defend. We say, okay, wait, how can I hear what God's saying to me through this? I don't want to be deadened to hearing Christ. Verse 19, he says they were callous. They become, they give themselves up to sensuality. They were greedy for every kind of impurity. And what he's calling us to put off, he says, don't walk like that. Put off sensuality. Put off living by your senses, by your feelings. Put off the old ways of being led. Put off those old ways of giving into temptations to lust, even though its pull is strong. You know, in fact, not only is the the pull of lust strong. A recent study came out that showed that looking at pornography, you can feel as addictive as doing heroin. It has a strong pull, but it lies. It lies when it says it can satisfy. And anything else other than Jesus is lying to you when it says it will satisfy you. And if you can only get that, if you can only do that, if you can only be that, if you can only have those people around you or have those relationships, then you'll be satisfied. And he says, no, I want you to put off that way of thinking because I want you to be satisfied in Jesus. Thankfully, Jesus has delivered us from that strangling grip of looking for satisfaction in other things. So that we don't have to give, us, give in to the strong desires. Paul's telling us, put off every kind of impurity, every way of thinking and acting and speaking that's not holy and pleasing to God. So evaluate your life. Where am I speaking in ways that's not pleasing to God? Where are my thoughts not pleasing to the Lord? Where do I need to put off old, unbiblical ways of thinking about other people and about God and about myself? But Paul doesn't stop there. He says in verse 24, look in Ephesians 4.24. He calls us to do something else. Not just to put off, he said to put on the new self. Created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. You see, in the school of Jesus, not only do we need to learn to recognize these old ways and put them off, in response to him making us new, we're called to put on the new self. You see, in the school of Jesus, we're taught to put on the new self. I want you to notice something in this verse. Look in verse 24. It says, If we're in Christ, we've been created, what? After the likeness of God now. That's good news. No longer do we belong to Adam and the old sin nature. We've been created after the likeness of God. And so now, because we've been created in His image, we can follow after Him. We're no longer bound to the old self and the deceitful desires. We've been made new. We've been recreated. We aren't perfect. It doesn't say we've been made perfect in the sense of complete. Now, we're found complete in him, but it's already done in us. He's already made us righteous, but then he calls us to actually live out righteousness. In Isaiah 61.10, Isaiah says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. Where's his rejoicing coming from? Look at this passage. I'll greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God. Why? Where is our source of rejoicing our hope? Where is the, fa- the source of our soul exalting in God? He says, I'll greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God. Why? For He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. That's meant to be the source of our rejoicing as we're striving to put on. It says, He's covered me. What? With the robe of righteousness. We can put on Righteousness and holiness, because as Aaron told us last week, we've been clothed with his righteousness. For all who have placed their faith in Jesus, God has taken all of our sins and he placed them on Christ. Then he wore our sins, our filthy rags on the cross. He was punished for our sins. And then God credited all of our unrighteousness, all of our unholiness to Jesus. And he was killed in our place. That's the way we learn Christ. And God took all this righteousness. It doesn't stop there. He took all this righteousness that God earned. That Jesus earned. And he clothed our nakedness. With the robe of Christ's righteousness. He's covered all our shame. Now when God sees us. And he looks at us. He sees us as if we are righteous. He accepts us as if we all have the righteousness of Christ. If you place your faith in him. He's recreated our minds. He has given us the mind of Christ. The ability to think like Christ. He's given us the mind of Christ now. It's not a physical mind. But he enables us to think like Jesus. To follow after what Jesus lived for. To live to please the Father because of the Father's great love for us. You see, works don't save us or earn any merit before God. And in fact, despite the reality that we only ever earned his wrath... God had mercy and he saved us because of the merit of his son in our place. God's created us in his likeness now. Why why did he do that? So that we can walk worthy of the calling with which we've been called. The beginning of the chapter 4 in Ephesians. Why did God do this? Why does he call us to live righteously? Because that's what he saved us to He saved us and made us righteous so that we can actually walk out righteousness. He enabled us. He made us new. He he renewed our minds. It was impossible before to walk worthy, but now, because He's made us worthy in Christ alone, we can actually walk in a manner that's worthy. Another letter that Paul wrote. Paul wrote a bunch of letters in the New Testament. He wrote the book of Romans. And in Romans 6, 4, it says, We were buried, therefore, with Him... By baptism into death. In order that just as Christ... I want you to slow down on this part. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead... Think about that for a moment. How was Christ raised from the dead? He was raised from the dead victoriously. He was raised from the dead once for all time. Never to die again. He was raised conquering death. He was raised from the dead... Why? How? By the glory of the Father. Look at this. In order that we too might walk in newness of life. This isn't about self effort It's not about legalism, but this is about being raised from the dead so that we can walk in life. So when Paul is telling us to put on the new self, he's telling us, put on the new life you've already been given. Be more and more like Jesus, be conformed into his image. But you know what? This work of putting off and putting on can be daunting, can't it? It is for me. It's daunting at times. At times I'm aware, oh my goodness, I was impatient with my wife again. I've been trying to work on this area. What in the world? Lord, why am I not done with this stuff yet? Why do I still get angry? Why do I still have problems? What's going on? It can be daunting. It can be difficult. And you know what? I find that if I'm trusting in my own strength and my own ability... It's even more draining and wearying. And if you're trusting in your own strength to put off and put on, you're probably tired. You're probably worn out. You probably feel like giving up. I can't do this. And there's a reason God's bringing you to those feelings. God's bringing you to that place because He's saying, you can't do this on your own. You need to put off, but here's what you need to do. You need to walk in the life I've given you, resting and trusting in me every step of the way. Maybe today you're a Christian and you can feel at times like you're getting loaded down with more things to do and you already are feeling like you can't do what you're being called to do. Maybe you're feeling weary and weak this morning. Maybe you're lacking hope to change. Well, the same guy who wrote Ephesians and Romans that we shared earlier about walking in the newness of life, he wrote another book called Corinthians. He wrote a couple of them. He wrote the book of 2 Corinthians or a letter of 2 Corinthians. I want to read a portion of it to you. See, Paul could identify with the challenges that we face. So in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, he says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. So where does our light come from? It comes from the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in... Here's the reality of what we live like, right? We have this treasure in what? In jars of clay... To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way. You ever feel afflicted? Paul knew what it meant to feel afflicted. He says we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. You're like, hang on. He says perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. Knowing that He who raised... I want you to get that. Do you know this? Knowing that He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into His presence. We need to learn Christ. It says, For it is all for your sakes that His grace extends to more and more people and may increase in thanksgiving to the glory of God so we do not lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away and some of us feel that to more degrees than others, <laughs> our inner nature is being renewed I want you to to see that word renewed day by day. You see, we're just jars of clay. And our weakness, our inability, our frailty, it's meant to show us in the world that the surpassing power, it doesn't belong to us, it belongs to God. We don't have the power to put off and put on our own strength, but we can put off and put on the new self in His strength. So how did Paul... How could this same author of Ephesians and Romans and Corinthians and all these other passages where he's talking about putting off the old self in Colossians 3.10, he talks about putting off the, the old self and putting on the new self. How can how can he say that and not be discouraged by feeling like you just have all this stuff to do? How was he perplexed and not driven to despair? How was he persecuted and not feeling forsaken? How was he struck down but not destroyed? I want to learn Christ like him. He was aware he's always been given to the death for Jesus' sake. But he knew that this was so the life of Jesus could be manifested in his mortal flesh. Paul could go through all of these things and not despair because his mind was set on an eternal perspective. He knew that he would be with Jesus no matter what happened. And, and I want you to catch that last line that we read. It's, he said, though our outer nature is wearing, wasting away, our inner nature is... Being what? Renewed day by day. Our inner nature is being renewed day by day. He had joy in the trials because he knew Jesus. He was being renewed day by day. And I think that's the key here. And it's the key as well in Ephesians. You see, we skipped over a verse earlier on purpose. I want you to look in Ephesians 4.23. This is the verse we skipped over, and here's really the key between putting off and putting on. The thing we need to continually be doing, this is how we do, verse 22 and 24, how we do the putting off, how we do the putting on. It's in verse 23. It says, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. That's how we put off. This is the, the way that we're putting off the old self and putting on the new self, is by being renewed in the spirit of your minds. And like Paul said in Corinthians, we need to be renewed, not just once, day by day. Every day. Every day I need to be renewed. Every day I need to be renewed. Every day. Day by day. That's how Paul could have confidence in the midst of sorrows. Confidence in the midst of dis- trials. He was not in despair. He was broken, but he wasn't crushed. You see, in the school of Jesus, our assignments are carried out by being renewed. That's our third and final point. In the school of Jesus, our assignments are carried out by being Renewed. We need to be continually renewed. Maybe you you are feeling drained. Have you Anybody can identify with that? If you've ever felt drained, you don't have to raise your hand. Weary, weighed down. Maybe you're tempted to despair. Maybe you're feeling crushed by the weight of the world, the trials you're facing. Maybe you feel like this is too much. This passage is not meant to add to your burdens, and I don't want to add to your burdens. More importantly, God doesn't want to add to your burdens and give you things you can't do. This is not about legalistic self-efforts. It's about embracing God's grace and responding to Him in faith. But in order to respond to Him in faith, what do you need? You need to be renewed. I believe that God wants us as a church today. I believe He's speaking not just to me, to He's speaking to every one of us. To, he wants you to be renewed in Him. He wants you to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He wants you to be renewed day by day, be renewed by Him. Renewal is not just something that happened once. And was done. is something that he's made us new. So he can continually renew us. Day by day. Day by day. We need to be renewed. Why? Because we can so easily lose heart. And fail to see Jesus in our circumstances. Paul was renewed day by day. He saw Jesus in his circumstances. He was renewed day by day. He saw that even when his body was failing, it was wearing away, wasting away. He knew that it was for the glory of Christ. He knew it had a greater purpose. He was renewed day by day to think like Jesus so he could put off those temptations to despair, those temptations to despondency, those temptations to doubt and fear. And he could put those things off and he could put on faith in Jesus. Why? Because he was being renewed day by day in Christ. We need to... See that He's at work in us; that He's made us alive, and He'll be with us. God makes us new, and He wants us to be renewed day by day in the spirit of our minds. So, what does it look like to have our be renewed in the spirit of your minds? It means to to be renewed with the truth of who Jesus is, and it starts with understanding and being renewed by the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ. And you look in verses. 20 to 24 it talks about being taught the truth being learning jesus we we how are we renewed we're renewed with jesus we're renewed with learning the truth about jesus we we learning about a truth of who we are in him and who he's called us to be and the fact that he's over all things and if you go back the larger context of the book of ephesians he's saying that god is over all things and before the foundations of the earth were even laid, He called you and He adopted you. We need to be renewed with those truths, the truths that we find here in Ephesians. We need to be schooled in Jesus. We need to be renewed knowing that we do have Christ's robes of righteousness on. Even when you don't feel righteous and when you've not been righteous, He's forgiven us and made us clean. You need to be renewed in your mind, knowing that if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You need to be renewed by meditating on the fact that it's only God's grace that saved us, and His grace is what will sustain us day by day, even when we don't feel like it. We need to be schooled in Jesus. We need to learn Jesus. We need to be renewed by Him because we can't. We, we just can't even. We simply can't go on one day. That's why Paul says we need to be renewed day by day. We can't go one day on our own, even though we try at times. And amazingly, God doesn't condemn us. If, if you find that you've been in a place where you've been self-sufficient or self-righteous and trying to do things on your own, God doesn't condemn you. He says, come back to me. Find rest in me. Cast our burdens on him, for he cares for us. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you Rest. If we're to endure suffering and hardship and trials and temptations and our own weaknesses and failures, then we need to be renewed day by day. Paul begins Ephesians. And I want to look back together, actually, so that we can be renewed with some of the truths at the beginning of Ephesians. In Ephesians 1, verse 3 to 14, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the truth we need to be renewed with. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him. We need to be renewed in the fact not only has He blessed us, but He's chosen us in Him. When we were too weak to choose. He says, before the foundation of the world. So God had a plan for us before we even existed. That we should be holy and blameless. Why did he choose us? So that we should be holy and blameless. So when he calls us to put off and put on. He chose us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. He says, in love he predestined us for adoption. He's predestined us. We have a destiny. If you place your faith in Jesus. That is, cannot be taken away from you to be adopted in Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. And it goes on to say, To the praise of His glorious grace, which which He has blessed us in the beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood. What truth do we need to be renewed in? We have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. And verse 8 says, Which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose. Which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. To unite all things in Him. Things in heaven and on earth. And, and look in verse 11. Here's the truth we need to be renewed with. In Him who works all things. All of your circumstances. All of your trials. All of your difficulties and challenges. He works all things according to the counsel of His will. I need to be renewed by that day by day. When I lose perspective on, on life and circumstances and situations. It says so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, here's the truth we need to be renewed by. You were sealed. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And let me ask you a question. Can you unseal what God seals? Do you think your hand is mightier than the Holy Spirit, the God? When He seals you, what a wonderful affirming truth that is we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who's the guarantee you may not feel like we have much of an inheritance now but he says here's the truth to be renewed with he's he's the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it we've been predestined he's going to keep us till the end we need to be renewed with the truth that God chose us. We need to be renewed with the fact that he's predestined us. We need to be renewed with the fact that he's blessed us with his grace. These, the old self off the temptations to the old self. How do we walk in new life? Paul tells us again in Romans, in Romans twelve two, he says, we must be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And he said, we're renewal again. You see, that's a big part of the Christian walk. It's not just self-effort it's being renewed in Christ. Being renewed in Christ in our inner man. Being renewed in Him. Being renewed in our minds. We're, we're transformed. He transforms us. And then He continues to transform us as we're renewed. We need our minds, our minds renewed every day with the truth of who He is. The truth of the gospel. The truth that we're accepted in Him. That, that no matter what anybody else thinks about you, you're accepted in Christ because He accepted Jesus in your place. And so, yeah, you're not worthy. Yeah, you'll never be good enough on your own. But here's the good news. He was worthy. He was more than good enough. He was perfect. And and now God accepts you because he says, I accept you as my son and daughter. You're my daughter and your son. I've adopted you in Christ. I've made you new. So you don't have to worry about trying to perform. But you can live in a way that's pleasing to me by putting off and putting on. Colossians, Paul keeps writing about the same same subject in Colossians 3.10. He tells us our new self is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. How do we need to be renewed day by day? We need to learn Jesus. We need to learn Jesus. In the school of Jesus, our assignments are carried out by being renewed. So the reality is that although we're told to put off and put on, God's the one who works in us and through us. And, and so I want to finish with Psalm 103. I want to show you where, where David put his hope where well, we need to put our hope. In Psalm 103, 1-5, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. A line that we sang this morning. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I couldn't ask you to stand up and if the band could come forward. James, if you'll pick a song to sing in response. But before we get there, I want to encourage you. Maybe you've been struggling with this putting off and putting on. Maybe you've been struggling with weakness, with weariness, with despondency, despair. Maybe you've been struggling with perspective. and Maybe you've just become dull and callous. Maybe this morning you're concerned because your heart was not enlivened in the way you you expected it to be. And these these truths just seem dull to you. God's speaking to you this morning. Believe that God wants to, to renew you in Him. And that God has renewal for us, not just in the past, but Today and day by day he wants us to be renewed in him he wants us to be renewed with the reality that he's in control that he's for us and no one can be against us that he loves us, he's at work in us that one day we'll see him face to face and his opinion is the only one that matters he wants us to be renewed in him to have a revived vigor and passion for him that's not based on our feelings but it puts off that sensual way of living and says god i want to live by your truth transform me as i'm being renewed in you and as as we sing i want you to pray that god would renew you he'd restore your youth because i believe this god has brought this passage to us for a reason in this season right now in our church Because He wants us to be renewed in Him as we pursue holiness and righteousness. He wants us to be renewed day by day. He doesn't want us to lose sight of learning Jesus. So let's sing together and we'll close in prayer.